Despite called Australians representing almost a third of the population, they are often excluded from clinical trials research within Australia. Barriers can include a mistrust and lack of comfort around the clinical trials process, lack of information and resources, time constraints, financial burden and geographic location. Dr. Rob McNeil is a senior lecturer at the University of Auckland and we spoke to him about his research into the challenges of recruiting Indigenous and called patients to clinical trials. Yeah, so I'm interested in uh, the experience of Indigenous and called patients in general in cancer services um, and you know, part of those cancer services is their involvement in clinical trials. And so, you know, my journey into this has been through just doing general research around cancer patients' experiences of their care. And through that, I've been hearing lots of stories through doing interviews, um, collecting data through surveys uh, about not just the care they're having for their um, kind of standard treatment, but also their experience of being recruited um, and being part of these clinical trials. And then more recently I've been involved in actually getting involved in some clinical trials here and specifically looking at patients' experiences of, their, um, of being recruited and being part of those trials. And, you know, like my teaching background also um, gives me an interest in this because I'm, I teach on the social determinants of health so I, I'm specifically interested in like what are the social factors that create barriers or enablers to um, patients' engagement in services to keep themselves well, you know, like just in general. Um, and so how people's resources, um, how their culture, how, um, how historical, even historical events might help us to understand what particular why a particular culture might mistrust the health system, for example. I think it's important to understand the factors that are going to influence um, these populations' willingness to be recruited into studies. Um, I think it's important to understand what's going to help them keep in those studies as well, like how are we going to maintain them in the trials once they are recruited. I mean, I think there's two things that to understand why we've got such low recruitment rates or lower recruitment rates for indigenous and called patients in clinical trials and, and part of that is some what I maybe refer to as clinical factors so uh, we have exclusion criteria in trials so for example excluding um, patients because they have comorbidities um, and we know that particularly indigenous populations but also called populations um, tend to um, have greater levels of comorbidities, they're more likely to have um, other conditions that are going to exclude them from trials. We also know that clinicians have more of a reluctance perhaps, I'm not sure reluctance is the right word, but are less likely to try to recruit called and indigenous patients. I mean partly it might be just a perception that it's going to take more time, um, it might be some perceptions about um, that other perceptions, perhaps some unconscious bias um, that is meaning that they don't even try to recruit called and indigenous patients. And then on the patient side and the, the, their family 
side of things is, you know, there's a whole range of social factors like socioeconomic status. There's a whole lot of um, factors around economic and social resources. Uh, patients are going to have financial barriers if they are from lower socioeconomic groups. And we know that indigenous populations are much more likely to be in lower socioeconomic groups and also some called populations are much more likely to be. And so you know, barriers to actually get to, a, to, to where the trials are, barriers to being able to leave their family or children, like childcare responsibilities, transport, like even just getting access to a car to get to the hospital where, the, where, the, where they can be recruited to the trial, that becomes a barrier. Um, and then you've got cultural barriers. So our health systems, both in Australia and New Zealand, they've been set up in a very Western kind of uh, structure um, that tradition that historically hasn't worked well for indigenous populations. And um, it's also very heavily English dominant um, and so called populations, particularly those who have English not as a primary language are going to find it very difficult to engage with those services. Um, we've also got um, health literacy as being a, an issue um, for a whole lot of reasons, but we know that indigenous and called populations are likely to have lower health literacy. And I think that particularly plays out in their understanding of what the trials are about. Um, perhaps can influence their awareness of trials because of the language that gets used partly. Um, and also, um, I think, you know, and this is really a central part of the sort of research that I do, is it, it impacts a lot on their ability to navigate through, a, through the system. The health, our health systems um, are, are complex and can be quite, scary um, and so for those populations who are less likely to understand how those systems work it's very difficult to access and so that goes not just for the general health system but also for you know navigating your way into a, a clinical trial. Trust is another big issue um, and, and we know that um, we know our histories like from both Australia and New Zealand, we have a, a um, you know not a great history with both our indigenous and called populations, but I think particularly with the indigenous populations, of things that have happened that have driven down the trust that those populations have, not just with the health system, but with you know our governments in general, and you know to overcome that is to try to overcome generations of of mistrust, and I think that's a really difficult thing to get around. And I think maybe the other, other thing that I um, haven't talked about, um, and that's particularly for the called populations, but it is language. You know, like language is a big barrier. And a lot of trials still have um, exclusion criteria for people who, who are not fluent in English. And, you know, is it ethical um, for us to, to do that, um, you know, like if you think about our health system, we can't exclude people from receiving treatment in our health system 
because they can't speak English. But for some reason we can exclude them from clinical trials that are potentially providing them with treatment because they don't speak English. So I think that's a, a really uh, difficult and interesting kind of conundrum for, for trialists because they're, they're not necessarily funded to try to overcome all of the language issues that they might have. So, I mean, two main outcomes is that these people, the, the, um, the, if they're not part of these clinical trials, um, then they are not getting access to some potentially um, good treatments for their disease. And so um, that's a, a real negative for them. And on the other side, on the researcher's side of things, is that we're not getting um, the best quality data that we can get about these, these new treatments because we've got parts of the population who are not represented. And I think that makes it difficult to generalise those results um, if we don't have proper representation. So does there need to be trials specific for different ethnic communities? So whether we should have um, special clinical trials for Indigenous and called patients. I think that's a tricky thing to answer. I, I think in some cases there might be opportunities to do that. I think in the cancer space it can be difficult because we're often talking about quite small trials. Uh, and so having even smaller trials that only include Indigenous and called patients could get quite difficult. I mean, I'm not a trialist, um, and so I don't want to try to, you know, draw any conclusions about how difficult that might be, but um, it does seem difficult, but it also, I think, more importantly, might not be the best approach. I think the best approach is to make all trials um, work for the majority of the population, including important parts of our population, who are these indigenous and called patients, who are the most vulnerable um, people that we've got in our community. I think one of the most important things that we can do going forward with trying to improve the representation of called and indigenous patients in these trials is to, um, is to follow some of the recommendations that have come out recently from a project here that was funded through the Health Research Council um, and uh, involved, you know, like a, a huge range of um, clinical trial people from here, not just cancer trial people, but trialists in general. And their recommendations are about a lot about um, increasing the collaboration and involvement of Indigenous um, and particularly focused on Indigenous involvement, but the same could apply to, to called um, involvement in all aspects of trials. So from, you know, from design all the way down to implementation, you know, like um, having more Indigenous and called health professionals who are there working with patients. So like some really significant workforce issues that we need to deal with, but also making sure that the trials actually have meaningful um, collaboration and involvement from called and indigenous peoples, both both you know like both experts, like involving indigenous and called researchers, but also involving consumers 
Um, I think consumer involvement is a is a big thing that we haven't maybe doing have have we haven't been doing as well as we should. Um, you know, like I think it's been a bit of a tick box kind of exercise up until recently. Um, and I don't want to sound like I'm more negative. Um, the people I work with who are doing these things, they're fantastic people. Um, and they are doing the absolute best that they can and they're doing all sorts of things to try to make this better. But um, I still think we've got a long way to go. A lot of iterations to try and get to, to the point where there is enough involvement of these communities in the actual trials themselves. So what can be done to increase awareness of trial participation in both the community but also among health professionals? Uh, one of the ways that we can uh, address these issues with um, involvement of called and Indigenous patients is to just increase the representation of called and Indigenous health professionals um, who are working with these patients to, to recruit them so that they're seeing people that they identify with. You know, I think we also need to raise awareness among health professionals and researchers and, and other groups about the sorts of things that they can do to try to reduce the barriers to, to involvement of these populations as well. It is important to define what we mean by called. Um, you know, I think a lot of our local audience in New Zealand probably wouldn't understand the term called. Um, but in Australia it's a very commonly used term to describe culturally and linguistically diverse populations. Um, and quite honestly, when I first heard the term, I thought it would include indigenous peoples as well, but it actually excludes indigenous populations. Um, and in Australia, um, the called population is about 30% of the population. So these are people who are, uh, the way they classify it is people born outside of Australia. You know, and it also includes some other populations as well. Um, here, it's much less easy to, um, to identify what proportion of our population are, are called um, because we don't really use the term that much. But it seems like it's probably about the same proportion. But it's quite different. Um, here, our called populations are predominantly Pacific or Asian populations. I think in Australia, it's a much more diverse kind of um, group of uh, populations from a, a larger range of um, origins. So yeah, I think, um, you know, if you want to think about how big this problem is, um, you need to think about how big the called population are. And in Australia and New Zealand, it seems like it's about a third of the population. So we're not talking about small numbers here. It is a much bigger issue for called populations where English is not the, the one of the primary languages in the family and that does bring us down to a smaller proportion than a third but it's still a pretty significant proportion. Another way that we can improve um, recruitment and engagement of Indigenous and called patients is by providing them with actual navigation through what is a very complicated system and I'm talking about the health system within which these clinical trials are running so you know like it's difficult for patients to navigate normal services, but when you're presented with the opportunity to get into to a clinical trial, which involves potentially added complication and added kind of 
uh, maybe nervousness about what's going on. I think some sort of navigation um, process, some sort of navigation staff or whatever it is, is, is really important to try to um, address that issue. And I think another um, really important thing is to think about what the economic um, barriers. Um, you know, I talk to patients all of the time who, who struggle to get to their treatment because they've got childcare commitments. I have patients who have re refused treatment altogether because they don't want to stop working because their family relies on them for their income. And so, um, I mean, that's been, it has been a really emotional thing for me to hear that patients are actually either not having their treatment or uh, stopping their treatment because of these financial barriers. And I think the same is true for the clinical trial space is that it does require, often require extra visits to the hospital. It does require extra time for them to be engaged with this, with the health system um, and, with the, and the, with these research projects that uh, for a lot of people is just completely unattainable, even getting to appointments. So we need to provide transport for people, um, provide them with taxi vouchers or some sort of transportation service, um, reimburse them for time, provide them with vouchers for food for when they're at the hospital um, for their visits or whatever. There's so many things that we can do and, and there have been some fantastic com campaigns I know I saw one um, on the internet yesterday actually um, of a campaign in the US that had tried to raise awareness about these financial barriers and how and trying to get trialists to think about including these costs into their trials when they're um, trying to obtain funding. That was Auckland-based researcher Dr Rob McNeil. If you would like to learn more about breast cancer trials or you'd like to support our life-saving research, follow us on social media or visit our website at breastcancertrials.org.au.